Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 46, Calvin Cater versus Giga Chikadze. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday night live at the Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, the first UFC event of 2022. And I mean, do we got a banger? Uh, last year, the first event of the year was Calvin Cater versus Max Holloway. I mean, what a performance by Holloway. Cater's taking a full year off to recover i think that's the proper amount of time back the only thing is uh, giga chikazi ain't exactly a warm-up or a tune-up fight for anyone so this fight's going to let us know exactly where both these men stand in the contendership rankings uh, for the featherweight division i mean you got volk versus zombie coming up and i have a feeling that the winner of this fight comes out here and makes a statement they're going to be right up there in the in the running for another for a title shot yeah man i'm super excited i mean when you got the type of guys like calvin Qatar and giga the type of strikes these guys throw you know calvin's known for his his hands his power in his hands we've seen some of his vicious knockouts jeremy stevens shane burgos and Iga Chikaze has been on a roll lately. I mean, look at these last two, Cub Swanson and Edson Barbosa, you know, somewhat legends of the sport, and he took care of them very easily. We know he's from uh, Glory back in the day, serious kickboxer. You know, I actually met him in Atlanta back in the day. We both uh, did. And, you know, it was was good to see him uh, bounce back from the Austin Springer fight, and, I mean, he's been on a roll ever since, man. He's putting these guys down, so I'm super excited. And uh, it's a pivotal fight, man, because if Giga wins this fight, he could be in line for a title shot. I mean, the thing that I like uh, about the work Giga has been putting in is that this isn't not this isn't like his second UFC fight, and he's fighting Calvin Cater in a main event. We're already dealing with a guy who is on you know a seven fight win streak. Is it is it more than that? Is it eight fight? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, yeah, seven fight win streak in the UFC. So. He actually has more wins in the UFC than Calvin. Now, granted, Calvin's wins are of a higher quality. I mean, we're talking about Calvin's out here knocking out Shane Burgos, destroying Dan Ige, just, uh, knocking Jeremy Stevens' face into the 10th row. Um, I mean, the wins on Calvin Cater's resume, the guy's truly paid his dues, made his UFC debut against Andre Feely, for Christ's sake. So, I mean, I would say that Calvin Cater, Cal- Calvin Cater is one of the best uh, boxers in the featherweight uh, division, one of them. Um, and that right hand is money, but I mean, just like his right hand is money, you already know about that giga kick to the liver, to the head, to the legs, and no sleep on his hands either. So this is going to be a dynamic striking match, and I'm curious to see who shoots uh, the first takedown. Yeah, man. Um, and, you know, I like the co-main event too. I mean, you got Jake, Jake Collier and uh, Chase, you know, the two uh, big heavyweights, they're going to throw it down. Is that the co-main event or is is the chuke is the chuke? Uh, you know they weren't allowed to let chuke be a co-main event. <laughs> the chuke, um, yeah, I'm super excited about that heavyweight fight. It's gonna be a slobber knocker, man. Yeah, I mean, I think the choices were hey, put the big boys in the co-main event. Listen, Chase and Jake, yeah, it, you know, there might be some MMA Twitter sense of humor regarding these two, but at least like most they of their really fights should have put Roy Vaughn. Yeah, I was going to say, if it wasn't Chase and Jake, because, you know, you know, they yeah. need the big boys there. Yeah. Roy Vall and Bontarine are probably going to put on a show, too. So those are some three fights that we definitely got to look out for. There's also some prospects on here making their UFC debuts. Uh, Joe Anderson, Brito. They're supposed to be Clayton Rodriguez. Unfortunately, he had to pull out. But, yeah, I'm excited to break down this whole card start to finish. So. Let's get right down to business. Everybody smash that like button. Everybody do us a favor. Uh, retweet my tweet. Let everybody know that we're live right now. And let's get down to business because first up, in the featherweight division, we got a match between Brian Kelleher. He's 23 and 12, and he's taking on Kevin Kroom, who is 21 and 13. 
And currently, they got Brian Kelleher minus 300. The comeback on Kevin Kroom is plus 250. So, I mean, look, man, we're dealing with two grizzled vets. I mean, like when you read these records, Brian Kelleher 23 and 12, Kevin Kroom 21 and 13. I mean, these guys have seen pretty much all there is to see in this sport. And to an extent, they have somewhat similar, uh, I wouldn't say styles, but more so their patented finishing Junkyard moves are, are pretty similar. Like these guys have disgusting guillotines, especially Kevin Kroom in that early going. My issue with Kroom is that, look, I, I definitely got to respect the fact that he's got the vet tactics. He's been there. He's done that. He's been in there with so many damn tough people. He trains under James Krause. And in the early going, man, I mean, if you get caught in one of those chokes, this guy... He'll get you out of there. Um, it's just with his style of fighting, he exerts so much energy. And as a result, he tends to fade as fights progress. And being that he took this fight on two weeks notice, that gives me an inclination to believe that he's going to come out here, try to sell out for that early sub. And if that doesn't happen, that that's where Kelleher is going to kind of drag this into those deep waters and, and, and go out there and win the decision or finish him. Now, here's the path to victory for Kroom. We talked about that guillotine. Keller hat. Kelleher has been submitted in the first round more than once. Now, I understand Montel Jackson and Cheeto Vera are on a different level than Kevin Kroom. Um, I wouldn't consider those guys journeymen. You know, I'd consider Marlon Cheeto Vera a top 10 uh, contender. And I'd consider uh, um, Montel a talented prospect. So, yeah, against the not bad Gary. I'm excited for that one. I can't wait to see what happens. So, Brian Kelleher, I think he's got more past the victory here, man. I'm, I think both guys can get that early submission, but I think that the longer the fight goes, that that's where Brian Kelleher is really going to, like you said, turn up that junkyard dog, mix in the calf kick, start to bruise him up a little bit, and pull away late. So, give me Brian Kelleher to come out here and win this fight. And I was really looking forward to the to the fight with the. Uh... Kakramanov, man, because, um, you know, he was definitely a more talented prospect. Kroom, uh, Junkyard, uh, he's been around a while. I've seen him in uh, Bellator. He fought um, John Teixeira, got beat up pretty good in that fight. You know, he's just, uh, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, man. I think Kelleher should be in better shape. Not saying that this guy doesn't train. I'm sure he's in the gym all the time, but I honestly think, you know, Kroom, you know, his win over Roosevelt, I mean, that was like, Roosevelt was, uh, you know, I don't know what, Roosevelt, I hope he gets his things, you know, his stuff together and he uh, comes back. You know, I think he's at 170 now. Maybe that's, maybe that's going to help him out. But I think that uh, Kroom isn't really UFC level, man. I think Kelleher has solidified himself. I mean, he gives, uh, you know, the guys he loses to a, a decent fight like Cody Stamen and Ricky Simon. Like he, he, you know, it was a respectable outing. Uh, it wasn't like he got absolutely you know dominated in every sense so i think he comes out here man and he uh just kind of like you said like gets better on as the fight progresses and and uh kind of exposes some of the grappling you know um get on top and do his thing we can't forget that knockout win over hunter or too i mean he put him down stiff hen and Barrow victory i mean kelleher kelleher can fight man it's just these these prospects like montel lineker i mean those type of guys you know we can't we can't put them in and, and I like the fact that in that last fight against uh, Domingo Pilarte, now on one hand, you can be like, well, dude, why don't you just go out there and starch him? The kid gets dropped every fight. But I, I like the fact that, you know, he didn't take any risks standing. You know, Domingo Pilarte is super long for the weight class. Uh, you dive in from a mile out, the chokes might be there. But, man, uh, Brian Kelleher was able to show a different part of his game, go out there, stack multiple takedowns, which is something that you haven't often see him do in, in, in a lot of his He's fights. RSA twice too, right? Yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, we're dealing with a guy that uh fought Jimmy Rivera and Bellator. That's yeah, how long. That's how long 
he's been doing his thing. So, yeah, uh, I want to actually pull up the takedown numbers. Um, yeah, exactly. He went after that last fight. All he needed was three takedowns, one takedown per round. Domingo Pilarte couldn't get back up. So it was cool to see kind of a grinding style from Kelleher when we're used to him having that opportunistic guillotine. We're used to him going out there with those calf kicks, breaking guys down uh, further down the stretch. So it was cool to see him implement some new parts of his game. The reason I bring that up is because I think a lot of people held it against him that he didn't finish Pilarte, but he absolutely dominated him. So, again, Kevin Kroom always has a chance early in fights, but I truly suspect that as the fight progresses, uh, Kelleher takes over. Also in the featherweight division, we got a match between downtown TJ Brown. He's 15 and eight. He's taking on Charles Boston Strong Rosa, who is 14 and six. And Rosa is taking this fight on a couple days short notice. Initially, they wanted Rosa to step in and fight Taporia. Um, <laughs> but, you know, this is one of those cases oh, cool. where, you know, shout out to Charles Rosa's to management for uh, th this is a more, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say favorable matchup, but more evenly matched fight than Taporia. Um, so I'm happy that. You know, they decided to take this one. And as a result, he got a new four fight contract with the UFC. So I'm happy to see that uh, the odds. Here's where here's where I'm kind of on the fence. Um, TJ Brown minus 250, the comeback on Charles Rosa plus 210. Now, while I do think that TJ Brown is actually better than he showed in the UFC, like it's one of those things where it's like he'll be winning minutes of fights. He'll even be dominating guys at times. But his chin isn't the best. He gets dropped a lot in fights. I've seen him get tapped out with some things that, you know, a guillotine from from side control. I was like, wow. Um, you know, I didn't they, even know that was possible. Yeah. After dominating the guy, too, um, you know, I've seen him dismantle with leg kicks. And then a lot of people actually thought that Kai Kamaka might have won that fight. But I'll give TJ credit whether you scored it for him or not. Yeah, at yeah. least it was a hard fought battle, man. So and he looked better at least. So you got to give him that. And the, the path to victory with Charles Rosa has, you know, always been there i mean this guy will not stuff takedowns he's overly confident in his jujitsu game you can neutralize this guy and i think tj brown is going to neutralize this guy it's just i personally don't feel comfortable laying minus 250 minus 270 on tj for the sole fact that i mean he can be dominating a fight and then just get dropped out of nowhere he, he is known for his stunts but if this was a pick em fight then i got tj because i think he's going to outwork charles rosa it's just you know the 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 comeback finish or you know, the stunt, the fluke, that's what you got to look out for here. But, yeah, TJ should be favored. I just don't quite think to this extent, but I still am picking him to win this fight. Well, you know, I, I feel like he's favored for, you know, for a few uh, this much for a few specific reasons, man. I mean, when you look at Charles Rosa lately, he hasn't been pretty. Um, I mean, he got the win over Bermudez in Boston. You know, he's undefeated. In Bo if this fight was in Boston, then, you know, maybe uh, something – would be a little bit different here, but you know, I think, uh, I mean, Derek Minner controlled this guy for 15 minutes, and we know the type of stunts Derek Minner pulls in the late rounds. And I mean, Derek Minner had smooth sailing, so you know, we got another stunt puller here, TJ Brown. He should be smooth sailing as well, man. <laughs> TJ's way more physical, way stronger, and he's fought James way. Krause. Uh, James Krause yeah, works with Minner with, and with TJ, exactly. Brown. So he's got the blueprint here, man. And all, like you said, 100%, he does get dropped a lot. But look at the hitters we're talking about. I mean, Chavez is at least like an agile, fast calf kicker. Like he, Kai Kamaka and him had a decent fight. You know, Kai Kamaka is a heavy hitter. Like he, you know, has power. Um, 
I don't think Charles Rosa, Charles Rosa just those sidekicks from the outside and, you know, the Elias strategy, the, the, uh, the, uh, tip and run and, you know, and hustle and, you know, try, give it, you know, give it your all. And, and that's respectable, man. Charles is, I don't, I mean, look, he's kept his job a long time. That, that, that's, uh, you know, a very good, uh, accomplishment for him. But I, I agree with the line, man. I think TJ Brown, at least, you know, I, honestly, man, sometimes I feel like we overreact in these decisions because when I rewatched the fight with Kamaka, it was, I mean, it was a good fight, man. The, the first two rounds were close. Um, like he, I thought, you know, he hung in there, man. He, re- he recovered from getting dropped. Um, I mean, but like Kai Kamaka, just look at him, man. That dude's big. Like Charles Rosa doesn't post threats like that, man. He's his best days are behind him. Um, it's a good thing he didn't fight support yeah, man. That's all I'm <laughs> saying. And, and so I'm going with TJ Brown. I think he might get a finish here. Um, Really? His first finish. Charles is tough to finish. Man, because like he was getting ready for he's he was getting ready for a war with Mowgli. And Mowgli, like I that's that was a real test in my opinion for him because Mowgli, you know, can still fire off some good shots. Um so I, I he was getting ready for that. I feel like this is a way better situation coming in, you know, for for him, you know, for his career, you know, like wins and losses. Like Mowgli, I don't I don't know if he was gonna beat Mowgli, but you know, here I think he's he's good. My thing with Mowgli is he's got to figure out this weight thing. This is like the third time in a row where, like, on fight week, I, I heard behind the scenes he was trying to get that hundred fifty pound catch weight for like the third time, and they're like, "Dude, like, why does he like, keep doing like, that? Like, yeah. stop! Like, can you just move up to fifty fives, dude? Just like, move up. Yeah. so yeah, I hope Mowgli does the right things because I'm a fan of him as well. But yeah. I'm going TJ Brown here as well. So yeah, just don't be dominating the fight and then do something stupid, you know? Uh, yeah. So next up in the welterweight division, we got a match between Ramiz Brahimai. He's nine and three. He's taking on Court McGee, who is 20 and 10. And currently they got it a dead pick em. Um Court McGee minus 110. Ramiz Brahimai minus Somebody 110. Someone said Jordan's fighting Toporia. No, I saw Jordan throw his name in the hat, but I, I don't know if they are trying to go in that direction well that remains to be seen i personally hope they just rescheduled support yeah, and envelope right. it's too good too good of a fight <laughs> don't, try to, don't try to get a different yeah, matchup now exactly exactly um but anyways back to ramiz and bright and uh court mcgee so obviously court mcgee i mean such a grizzled vet of the sport um in the octagon outside the octagon i mean this is him and matt brown came back from death I mean, that's these guys are true warriors through and through. I mean, we're dealing with a guy with Court McGee, won the Ultimate Fighter, beat guys like Brad Tavares on the Ultimate Fighter, comes to the Robert UFC, Whitaker. beat Robert Whitaker. I mean, the dude, like Court McGee's been there, man. Um, and, and the thing about him is he's tough, he's durable, and I know he's getting up there in age. He's you know slowing down a little bit. Maybe the durability isn't what it once was. But one thing about him is if you gas out on a guy like Court McGee, that's where he's known to really put that pressure on you. And here's my thing with Ramiz Brahimai. So I think that when he's fresh, like at times, like he's kind of a phenom on the mat at times while he's fresh, man. And like some of the things I see him do, I'm super impressed by my my only concern with ramiz is that i don't think there's much of a plan b and and i'm not talking about you know humping someone and then you know yeah i'm not talking about that kind of plan b i'm talking about that if the early grappling isn't going to work the striking isn't quite there it hasn't caught up i mean don't get me wrong the guy he's a big athletic dude he can knock people out it's just I don't think the process in the standing is quite there like it is on the mat. And I, I truly believe that if you go to Fortis where he trains, 
he's probably one of the hardest roles on the mat in the gym. I mean, this guy is a, a beast on the mat. It's just that with that being said, when you're when it takes a lot of energy to grapple, man, constantly, constantly, constantly. And, th and this guy will go all out explosive takedowns, transitions, sweeps, submissions. So I, I love him on the mat. Uh, my only concern is that at court McGee, you know, starts getting out of these spots, starts making them scramble a little bit. This hits the second and third round. You know, that's where Ramiz might start shooting from a mile out. That's where Ramiz might to, might kind of show that body language that the judges don't quite like. Um, but then on the other hand, Court is 37. Ramiz is like 29. So maybe he's figured these things out. I mean, he trains at the with the right people, Fortis MMA coach, Safe Sayud. They're not idiots. They've got to know that this is something they had to address. But how much can you truly change a man's style? Like that's so this is a tough one for me to call because okay, yes, there is validity to the claim that Ramiz gases in fights but there's also a couple of misconceptions too like for example the first fight he lost to evan cuts i actually low-key thought he won that fight um and he actually did show success like in the third round so i don't think it's as black and white and saying all, all you got to do is get Ramiz out the first round and you're automatically going to win. I don't think it's that simple but i do think that um court mcgee can make him work so yeah it's either going to be a Ramiz early finish or a back and forth war um and i could see ramiz winning that back and forth war by having some just having those good moments along the way getting that last minute takedown doing some some you know exciting stuff on the mat court mcgee it's always been meat potatoes so if Ramiz doesn't have like just an extreme cardio dump, I see Ramiz getting it done, but that is my concern. There is no plan B. There's only a plan A, and Court is experienced enough to weather storms from greener opponents. But I'm going to lean with youth here, and I'm going to go with Ramiz. Uh, I don't want to say reluctantly. It's just he's got to come out here and, you know, fight his best fight. Man, you know, I'm a, I'm a actually, you know, have more confidence in the side. Yeah, you know, I, I think this is a good fight for uh Brahim Maj, man. Like, you know, when I really watched Cor McGee's last few fights, like, uh, you know, the last fight against um Hannibal, yeah, Hannibal Silva. Um, I mean, Hannibal Silva is older than Court McGee. Hannibal Silva is towards the tail end of his career. Hannibal Silva. His best days are not behind him. Ramiz Brahmaj is young. He's up and coming. He's experienced in the LFA. He's had fights, like you said, against Evan Cutts and Justin Patterson, guys that, you know, respectable records. You know, sometimes young fighters lose to 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 vets on the local scene, man. You have to you have to learn. And I think his fight against Max Griffin, even though he got his ear torn off and um and, you know, he got, you know, he got beat up towards the end of that, man. I thought it was a very good showing against a guy and Max Griffin, who's in the prime of his career right now. Max Griffin beat Carlos Conde when, you know, Cor McGee fought Carlos Conde. You know, Cor McGee looked, you know, he didn't, he didn't look too good. You know, Carlos Conde had his way with him and Carlos Conde, you know, is in he's retired, you know. Um, and the last fight was against a 39-year-old. So, and then really, you know, Court's known for pushing the pace and, and uh, you know, hustling and outworking guys. But to be honest, man, I, I see a guy that's standing back on the outside and kickboxing a lot. I, I mean, that's what all he did against Court. And the fight with uh, Hannibal, I mean, Hannibal Silva, you know, he had a good run yeah, beat Leon, run. but, 
you know, he's up there in age now. And, you know, he just, that means, you know, he's not known for his technique, just put it that way. You know, uh, it was a, it was a decent matchup. So, you know, I, I think Ramiz, honestly, coming off that fight with Sasha, putting him to sleep, the momentum is, uh, in his favor, in my opinion, I think he's feeling the, the most confident he ever has. I think that he's training at a good camp with guys like Jeff Marano, and these guys are vouching for him. Man, I feel like uh, at some point the the talent is gonna is gonna match up. So I think he's gonna come out here and actually make a statement, man, and finish Court McGee, man. I think Court McGee he still was getting rocked in that fight with Hannibal Silva. Like occasionally it's just Hannibal can't really maintain. He doesn't protect himself, man. He just like what I saw in the Max Griffin fight. I saw a guy that can, can at least stand in the pocket versus a much faster, sharper physical power. Like it was just a, a lot more, uh, a lot more higher level, a lot tougher, rougher in my opinion. So uh, I'm going to go with Ramiz to, to get a finish here. And shout out to my boy, MMA locker room. He's he's just here to remind us that the Braves won the World Series. So, uh, you know, remind me as much as you want, my yeah, man. And the Bulldogs, man, Georgia, oh, yeah. just yeah. are getting uh, are getting chips, man. And uh, didn't the ATL United win it in uh, 2018 yeah, they, they, too? They so, sure hey, uh, sure what, what what curse? I need to I need, I need to go check out one of them games, man. Shout out to my, bo- my boy Joseph Martinez. Oh yeah, he's a man. pimp, man. Uh, shout out to Narco Cop. Uh, he's uh, ready to destroy 2022. Appreciate you, man. He's always been a longtime supporter of ours. So, yeah, we truly appreciate you guys being here with us. Uh, <laughs> my voice said, did I make it in time for Collier over Sherman? Hey, you got good news. That's the co-main event. So you did make it here in time. But before we talk about Collier over Sherman, now we got to talk about Jamie Pickett versus Joseph Holmes. So uh, Jamie Pickett, he's 12 and 6. He's taking on Joseph Holmes, who is seven and one. And currently they got, um, well, it just depends where you look, man. I see a minus 150 on, on, on Holmes, you know, around the bet online, uh, Bovada area. But then I see a minus 126 on Holmes um, in Pinnacle. So it just depends where you look. You know, the comeback on Jamie Pickett, you know, plus 127, plus 128-ish. Um, I see a plus 135 on that Canadian book sports interaction. But uh, yeah, so you, you guys get the deal. But basically, the way I view this fight is that, you know, Jamie Pick is definitely a guy that's paid his dues. I mean, um, on the regional scene, you know, he actually beat uh, NFC middleweight champion uh, Doug Usher back in the day. And Doug's like on a big, big ass run um, these days. He's won like fucking, uh, I mean, basically. Doug Usher, the win streak he's on right now since the picket fight. I mean, he went from being four and three to now he's um thirteen and three. You understand what I'm saying? So that that's that's quite a run. But my criticisms for Pickett is that okay, look, he's got the size, he's explosive, he's a big boy, he's an athlete, he hits hard, and he's experienced. So I I can't take anything away from him there, but uh, not to bring up like MMA math, but like when Charles Bird finished you in the first round and when Jordan Wright finished you in the first round, that's when I kind of have questions about how far he can truly take this at this level. I mean, I, I think back in LFA and NFC and all these places that he can go out there and do his thing. But at the UFC level, I think it's going to be a lot tougher. And even the fight he won against Loriano, not, not only is Loriano in the wrong weight class, um, but I mean that was a that was a shitty fight, man. Um, but hey, a win's a win. Here's the thing with Holmes. 
I, there's a lot of things I like about him, and then there's questions I have. The things I like, middleweight, 6'4", with an 80-inch reach. He, he's a big boy for middleweight. And another thing I like is that, you know, he goes out there, he wins his fight on Contender Series, submits his opponent, and Dana could have signed him right then and there, but Dana was like, hey, let me see this guy um, get one more fight under his belt. They put him in looking for a fight, and he knocks out his opponent in the first round. So I've seen this guy submit people. I've seen him knock him out with one punch. So I like what I like what I'm seeing. I'm just not quite ready to sit here. And You know, when I saw Jamal Hill the first time, I was like, oh, my God, this guy's going to be someone. Whereas Holmes, I'm not saying he is or he isn't. I, I just kind of need to see a little bit more, but, but I like what I've seen. He, I just feel like he hasn't truly been tested in his fights quite yet. That's why um, the hesitation. Um, I do kind of lean towards uh, Joseph Holmes, man. I mean, I think he's going to have some physical advantages. And I guess it's speculative to say that I think he might be the tougher guy here if the going gets tough, you know, if this hits deep, deep waters, because I have seen Pickett fold up more than once. So I'm going to go with Joseph Holmes here, man. Um, but again, I'm still... I still want to sit back and see exactly what this guy brings to the table at the UFC level, you know, before I'm willing to make a projection of how far I think he can take it. Like, like again, the reason I bring up the Hill example is because the first time I saw him, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a future top five guy. I knew right off the bat. The first time I saw Sodiq Youssef, I was like, yeah, this is a, this is a future top 10 guy. Um, but Holmes, let's 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 see a little bit more. This is a good litmus test and a good entry-level debut fight, and let's see how he handles it. So I'm going to go with Joseph Holmes to to come out here and uh, beat Jamie Pickett. Yeah, you know, uh, Pickett, I've been watching him fight for a while. This is a good fight. Um, You got the young guy versus the not very good, somewhat experienced guy. He's got experience. He, he, he was in there with Puna. He was in there with Tafanda Don. He was in there with... Jordan Wright, so he was in there Puna, with uh, yeah. Puna, you know, so he, he's he been uh, in there sure. with some some very good guys. He's he's seen a lot more. Joseph Holmes is very, seems from his contender series fight, uh, seemed talented. I mean, long arms, um, seems like he knows what he's doing for sure, but you could definitely see he's green. He's not very experienced, but Jamie Pickett's going to have to hope for some type of UFC jitters mixed in with you know, maybe he can tie him up on the fence a little bit. I mean, Jamie's athletic. He can do it. I, I heard he's seeing a, a, a therapist from what I heard in the last fight, the last fight against Therapoli. But Therapoli that's hey, but that's a good a, move for him, though. Yeah, like, that's what he should have done. So he, good for well, him. He's, he's seeing a therapist. So maybe uh, he got his first UFC win, but it was a yeah terrible fight. <laughs> but that was more so due to Therapoli. I mean, Therapoli is just uh, that kid is out the UFC. So um, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I look. It's tough to lay chalk on some of these guys. I don't like. I agree. I didn't necessarily get that. Oh, this guy's a future. This and that. But um, it could possibly be a good. I mean, these are the type of fights Jamie Pickett because he ain't gonna be you know uh you know a Tafan level or a Puna level. Like he's gonna have to beat a young, inexperienced kid and, and possibly try to weasel a decision. But I'm gonna go the other way. I just think Jamie. It, when I watch him, man, I've been watching Jamie actually for a long time. And, uh, you know, man, he just always has, like, had a, a issue with pulling the trigger. But, you know, maybe one of these days, you know, the mental clicks. I just think it's more of a uh, a, a mental picture. But I don't know if you can trust Holmes at Chalk. Like, this ain't a... Uh, I'm 
Hey, sorry about that, guys. All right, keep going. Yeah, this was, you know, he didn't have like a Jimmy Flick, Sean O'Malley type performance on the contender series where it was like, oh my gosh, this kid's a this kid's a future, you know, star. But I, I think he'll probably just outwork him a close fight, um, you know, back and forth in the clinch and the probably lackluster. But we'll see, man. I, I think uh, Pickett has experience. So you, that that it has to be, uh, you know, sometimes experience weighs a lot in this game, man. So you got to be careful. Absolutely. So. All right. So before we talk about the main card, which is what's about to happen, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Prize Picks. But before I do that, everybody do us a huge favor. Smash that like button. Uh, subscribe to this channel. We truly appreciate it. Um, and also, yeah, let people know on Twitter uh, that we're uh, that we're out here and we're back. So. Guys, before I talk about the main card, I got to talk about the official fantasy sports uh, partner of Half the Battle, which is Prize Picks. And I've told you guys a hundred times, I think that Prize Picks is the simplest and easiest way to make money on daily fantasy sports. Uh, all our listeners, you guys re- receive an 100% instant deposit match up to $100 on Prize Picks. Download the app or go to prizepicks.com. And it's literally the simplest fantasy game on the market. I mean, you pick two to five players from any sport i mean you know it's not like you have to make a six fighter lineup and then you have to make your six uh player lineup for nba and nfl keep them all separate prize picks fucking combine them find an edge in one sport find an edge in another sport and take it from there i mean like dude you got the playoffs coming up you got playoffs you got giga chikadze you think giga is the real deal or you don't think he's the real deal take over and under on the significant strikes you see some grapplers on this card that you don't think are, dude the muniz over under on significant strikes last card was like 20 like 25 to 30 something i'm like muniz doesn't throw strikes so you smash those unders and then football's coming up i mean how do you think mahomes is gonna do how do you think aaron Rodgers is gonna do how do you think the goat tom brady is gonna do take those over unders combine them and, and, and go to town guys uh because, like, for example, on some of these college football projections that they've been doing, man, they set some of their um, rush yards at minus 7.5. So, like, all my guy needs to do is, like, get zero or sit on the bench and I win. All my guy needs to do is get minus 6.5 yards and I win. Like, so, like, when you see spots like that, you have to hammer it and then take and then combine it with that one UFC spot where you feel like you have the edge. No need to force anything, but take advantage of, take advantage of these spots where they're truly – overlooking or underlooking some of these players man so make sure y'all uh go to prizepicks.com or download the prize picks app in the app store i mean they they got the 4.8 star ratings rave reviews they're the real deal i highly vouch for them so go to prizepicks.com download the app use the code battle for an 100 percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars and uh let me know what kind of entries y'all are doing these days man because uh we've been uh we've been cashing out on prize picks so I highly recommend y'all join us on this. That's prize picks. Use the code battle. Thank you guys very much. All right. Main card time. First up in the featherweight division, we got the UFC debut of Joe Anderson Brito. He's 12 and two. He's taking on Bill Algio, who is 14 and six. And currently they got, it just depends where you look. Um, Joe Anderson Brito. I mean, I see everywhere from minus 120 to minus 140. And the comeback on Bill Algio is around, you know, between plus 105 to plus 115. Uh, firstly, I got to tell you what kind of respect I have for Bill Algio. I understand that he's one and three inside the octagon, but every single fight he's made his opponents work. And, um, 
he kind of reminds me of like a more durable uh, Julian Arosa in, in a way. He's got that long man body type, fights with his hands down. His chin ain't half bad. Well, that's why that's the difference here. He's got the chin that Julian Arosa doesn't. But look, this guy's long. He can pop out that jab. He's a black belt in jujitsu. And one thing I like about him is that he's relentless. He comes forward the entire time. You can take this guy down eight times in a single fight, like his last one. And I mean, he's gonna keep walking forward. And so your cardio needs to be on point to fight a guy like Bill Algio because he's just that long, lanky, awkward guy to deal with that's gonna be there the entire time. But on the flip side of that, he's not the most physical guy. And that's where I think Joe Anderson Brito can take advantage because this kid, Joe Anderson Brito, comes from the shoot-to-box academy, but I don't think he's got that traditional shoot-to-box style, man. I mean, when you think of the traditional shoot-to-box guys, you think of the Thomas Almeidas, uh, Felipe Sertanejo, Aranches, a lot more, uh, even Vanderlei Silva back in the day. Uh, but then they also got guys like Charles Dubronx Oliveira who doesn't necessarily have the typical shoot-to-box style. And I think... Joe Anderson Brito is another one of these guys that kind of brings something different to the table. He's more of like, he's a ridiculous athlete, super explosive. And I kind of get these vibes that he can be one of these guys where he doesn't have that conventional process that people like to see. He's more of a guy that he can take minutes off a fight, but when he explodes, I mean, it's like a, it's like Davis and Figueroa. It's like Yoel Romero, but the kid's making his debut. So, you know, we still got to see how he performs in the octagon, but I love his top control. I, lo- I love his ground and pound. I love his just how fierce and determined he is to go out there and and put it on his opponents, man. And I think that he could be someone that we might look at as a future contender. So I know it's too early to say right now, but from what I've seen, I really like this kid a lot. And I think this is one of the more brighter uh, UFC debuts that we've had in in quite some time. I know Clayson Rodriguez was supposed to fight on this car, and I was looking forward to that debut a lot as well. But I think that Joe Anderson Brito, you know, like the reason I bring up the Figgy and the Yoel Romero examples is because it's like they they fight in a very unconventional style that, like I said, people might question their process if you're used to traditional fighting styles. This guy's different. He brings something else to the table. But his explosiveness, his power, his, his physicality can make up for a lot. But then don't sleep on his technique too. Like I said, that ground and pound is nasty. His ground game is on point. He's got one-punch knockout power, flying knees. I, I, I like this guy. So, yeah, I mean, the concern would be since he's so explosive and against a guy like Bill Algio who will be there in your face the entire time. I mean, shots to my boy Bill Algio cashing that plus 140, I believe, were the odds against Spike Carlisle. So, I mean, I got nothing but good things to say about Bill. It's just I think Joe Anderson Brito is too physical for him. And Bill Algio has given up nearly 20 takedowns in all four of his octagon appearances. I think Joe Anderson Brito will get those takedowns. I think he will be able to neutralize Algio at times. But Algio, man, he's going to get back up. He's going to make us work. But I think that Joe Anderson has enough to at least win two of these rounds, come out here and get this dub. So I put 2.5 units on Joe Anderson Brito at minus 125 to win uh, two units. And that's my first bet of the night. Yeah, man, it's a it's a good fight. You know, I I think it's gonna be a tough fight. Um, you know, Algio's tough. He definitely gives up a lot of takedowns. He's definitely you know on the skinnier. You know, he gets he gets muscled a lot. But man, he's tough. Uh, he, even though he gives up those takedowns, he gets back up. Joe Anderson looked good in his contender series fight. Big, powerful, strong. Um, you know, I, I think the kid he fought. 
you know, kind of seems like he kind of more of a jujitsu off his back type of game and, you know, not very physical. So I, I see the I see the angle to see the angle. Um, but, you know, I just think, I mean, you're in there with guys like Ramos, Ramos, um, Spike. I mean, these guys, you know, I think Joe Anderson's definitely on, on that on that par. I slightly lean him as well. I think he should. I'm definitely worried that he's going to gas. I mean, he's a big, muscly guy, man. And I and I saw signs of gassing against the against that kid on the contender series. And when I really, I really wasn't impressed with that kid either. When I looked at his record, I actually saw that he lost his next fight as well. So you know, um, I, I think Joe Anderson's big, strong, physical should rough Algio up. But I wouldn't be shocked if the 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 length and the the range down the stretch with the mixed in with the fatigue if that possibly uh you know played a problem Algio throws knees he throws elbows I mean he's a funky guy to deal with man so you know uh, if Joe Anderson does get tired I I see trouble possibly so um I think it's gonna be a, a tough close fight so I, I mean I'll take Brito just because I mean there's some of those explosions against that kid were like whoa but like you know that, that kid really wasn't that strong to me so we'll see what happens i, I feel like algio's fought a much higher level just a a rougher guy a tougher guy so we'll see what happens but um yeah i'll take brito but i think it's lined accurately like i don't think it's you know like algio's getting disrespected or brito's like favorite too low like i think it's right yeah and another thing i wanted to say about brito before i forget yeah I've mentioned his explosiveness, his takedowns, his power, all that stuff. But what about what about this kid's heart? Um, there was like a deep ass anaconda attempt that he got put in in that fight. And man, I love the defense he showed on that. Um, it was actually very eye opening. If you if you guys train jujitsu and you want to know how to get out of an anaconda choke, watch Joe Anderson Brito's contender series fight, man, because that was very, very impressive. All right, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Dakota Bush. He's eight and three. He's taking on Vyashlav Borshev, who is five and one. And currently, they got Vyashlav Borshev minus 180. The comeback on Dakota Bush is plus 155. So basically, when, when uh, oftentimes when you think of Russians, you think that, man, that wrestling, that sambo, that grappling is going to be really on point. And it's actually kind of the opposite here with Borshev. He's more of a, of a one-punch knockout artist. Um, and his takedown defense actually isn't the best. And Dakota Bush, listen, I mean, he, he's he's paid his dues on the regional scene. Um, he's decent everywhere. I mean, he, he hits hard. He's got some nice wrestling. You know, it's just my, my, my thing with Dakota Bush is, um, okay, so... You guys might vehemently disagree with this, and maybe this is irrelevant, but like, um, and, and I'll mention stylistically th those things too in here in a sec. But I want to talk about something kind of off off topic. So this dude's nicknamed Harry Bush. Now I understand. Oh, he's got a sense of humor. It's funny, this and that. But it kind of like low key makes me question like how seriously does this guy take himself and like. Um, like, does he think this is a joke and, and stuff? Maybe I'm looking into him too much. Maybe that nickname Harry Bush isn't a big deal. And maybe, maybe he goes out there and wins this fight. But I, I just wouldn't see a guy like, you know, I don't, I don't see Russians like, uh, you know, making fun of themselves. It's good to have self-deprecating humor. It's good to be able to laugh at yourself, but to laugh at your career. And I, I don't know. 
I, I don't know. Vibes like that just make me feel like maybe, you know, he's trying to be more of a comedian than he is trying to actually make a run in the UFC. But that being said, look, the kid hits hard. He's got decent wrestling. I think he can come out here and, you know, put up a, you know, I think that he's going to come out here and get some takedowns early. And in the early going, the takedowns are going to be easy to come. But as the fight progresses, that's when it's going to start to be tougher to take this kid down. That's when he's going to start shooting from a mile out. That's when he's going to be forced to stand with him. And once that happens, that's when I think Borshev is going to knock him out. So, yeah, give me uh, the Russian to come out here and uh, put the hands on Dakota Bush. Yeah, you know, this is a tough fight. Um, Bush really wasn't that impressive. He had a really awkward style with the kicks. Um, seemed like almost kind of reminded me of Oliver Enkamp. <laughs> um, like just uh, he just lost in Bellator, by the way. You know, just kind of gassed himself out with the kicks against Austin Hubbard. But he did take that fight on short notice, and you know, it kind of probably wasn't as a hundred percent best. I know he's been with Kraus and them for this uh camp, and this rush uh, Borshev look like. I know he's Russian, but in my opinion, I wouldn't compare him to, you know, a typical daggy or, a, you know, a dude actually like this guy is more on the lesser side, in my opinion, just my personal opinion. He well, he can't wrestle. Had, um, he definitely had, you know, a good performance, um, some some accurate striking. I wouldn't say it's like fast or the most powerful, but definitely accurate and pinpoint. But, you know, just athletically speaking, you know, he's 29, but he kind of the way he was moving and kind of like he's on the older side, but he's definitely a guy that gets uh, better progressively. It's a tough fight, man, because I, I could see Dakota Bush's just, I feel like he's a lot more agile, a lot more loose, a lot faster, um, especially early. It's just, uh, man, on his regional scene, he kind of really didn't fight anybody per se. Um, knocked out like maybe like one or one decent guy, honestly, like um, a couple uh yeah. Uh no, he had some good ones actually, you know. Um but you know, I really wasn't impressed with either guy to be honest, man. I think uh the line should be close to a pick 'em, honestly. Like Borshev is slow in my opinion. He's got some accurate striking, but I could see guys overwhelming him with just like I don't think he's one of these like top notch Russians at all. Um but yeah, and you know, I, I do think he should be slightly favored, but you know We'll see what happens. What's up, Nate? And then, um, but then, you know, Bush, on the other hand, man, like, like Austin Hubbard, you know, is probably one of the most harmless guys out there. And he kind of had his way with them. So, I mean, we'll see. But that knockout he had against that kid, that kid was just walking forward, eating shots. Uh, he was from like Wales or Scotland, some uh, Scotland. Yeah. Cause Paul Craig did his, uh, did his little video thing but that kid was just walking forward eating shots like it was terrible let me say this to dakota bush's credit uh that the hubbard fight he did kind of take on like six day notice. Yeah, he was on short notice he had a full camp for this one so maybe we see yeah i think it should be like close like this guy you know how they say if his name was vice shazlov johnson uh all right so who are you going with i'm going with the uh, dakota bush in the upset Okay, okay. I like it. Next up in the flyweight division, we got a rematch between Caitlin Chukagan, who's 16 and 4, and Jennifer Maya, who's 19 and 7. And currently they got uh Caitlin Chukagan minus 180 to come back on Jennifer Maya's plus 155. So I rewatched the first fight. Caitlin Chukagan chuked her the first two rounds. Third round, 
Maya uh, came to her senses, took her down, clearly won that third round. So this is one of those spots where I think it's Jennifer Maya who can make the more adjustments here. I think we kind of know what Caitlin Chukagan's game is by now. I mean, she's going to run around the ring, throw those punches at the air, make the tennis sounds, and, you know, I, I am being a little facetious. I mean, she is pretty damn effective, and she's been – in the top five of her weight class for a while. Yeah, she marks girls' for, faces. For right? a reason. So, I mean, you know, you got to give her some respect. But it's still fun to talk about the tennis sounds. Um, because, I mean, it goes a long way with the judges. Even if you're punching the air, like, and they hear those sounds, oh, oh, that must have landed. Um, so, I think that Jennifer Maya has got to come out here and make the adjustments. And I think the adjustments are there to be made, man. I mean, we're talking about a chick who actually went out there and won a round off Valentina and held her down the entire round. Also held down Caitlin Chukagan for a while in that third round. So basically, if she can come out here and just implement that game plan earlier in the fight, I think there is a path to victory for for Maya to come out here and get this upset. It's just my my concern, Shaq, is you know getting chuked, right? You know, I mean that's always got to be a concern in, in in a fight like this. So. Yeah, I mean, I think while it's at distance, Kaylin is going to be racking up the points. It's just I'm curious about how much top control Maya can get along the way to possibly get this upset. So I'm not fucking sure, man. I mean, I would lean Shukagan to edge two rounds, but like it's not going to surprise me one bit if Maya comes out here with a better game plan, with the better adjustments, and, and comes out here and wins two of these rounds. So I think this is another one that... Maybe should be lying closer. I lean Shook, but I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I could see Maya winning this. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a gonna be. These are two of the top five girls in the division, and and Jennifer Maya, she's been having better performances. Uh, you know, when she initially came in, she was missing weight every fight. Like for that fight, she missed weight. Um, she missed weight for like a couple other ones too. I mean, she, but now you see her; she's looking a lot. You know a lot slimmer a lot trimmer and she's been performing better i mean she won the round against valentina you didn't she didn't get she didn't really even get like fucked up at all really like it was valentina was coming off of surgery but like you know her typical uh that that fight kind of lit a fire under her because you saw what she did to the next two people um I mean, and joanne caldwood uh, changed her last name after that ass whooping yeah but um no, I was talking about what Valentina did to you know her her last fight. I know, I just had to get that out. Oh there. yeah, but Calderwood <laughs> got smoked, and that was that was a great performance. You, you saw who Calderwood's fighting next? Um, Grasso, yeah, Grasso. Stands. But yeah, it's it's a tough matchup because I feel like Maya has the skills, but she the, the shoot box style. She kind of likes to stand on the outside a lot, and Chuk's long, and she's got long arms, long legs, and you already know how the. Um, how the how she is with the with the sounds and the and the tennis sounds and the grunts and the the hee-haws and and all that good stuff so and and it works because when you hear the scorecards it's like damn this fight wasn't even that close like you know what i'm saying like you think it's a you think it's a close back and forth fight and it's 30 27 um the arujo fight honestly i i scored that for chikagian two to one but uh one a few judges had a 30 27 and um I thought there was one round where she clearly lost, but she just makes up it makes up for it with that volume on the feet, with that distance. But from a, a betting side of things, like you keep playing with fire and eventually, you know, you'll get burned. And, you know, 
you know, you can keep counting that she's going to, you know, win these decisions and, and all that stuff. But Jennifer Maya might not make it that close. I mean, I feel like Jennifer Maya hits harder. I feel like she's got the low kicks to possibly close the distance. Um, she's very experienced, a black belt in jujitsu. And, and Chukagian has kind of hinted at in the past of, you know, possibly, uh, you know, looking to step, you know, to the side uh, eventually, man. And I know Jennifer Maya doesn't have plans like that. Uh, you know, I f you know, she actually does follow uh, Best Fight Picks official and and me on uh, Instagram. And man, this girl, she's been training very hard. She's been losing a lot of weight, and and I think she might come out here and get the upset, man. I think uh, she might be a little more hungrier. And, and like the person that wins the first one, it's like, what kind of do you really have to gain from this? You know, it's kind of like. I feel like when you get in there, it's going to be a lot more pressure uh, as, as whereas Maya really kind of doesn't have much to lose, in my opinion. So I'm going to go with Maya and uh, upset by by uh, decision, I guess. I guess Maya Maya's going to finally uh, she's lost a decision. She's lost decisions before. Shoot. Um, she lost two splits to Jessica. I and Liz Carmouche. Yeah. Uh, it's facts. Uh, cannot uh, debate that. So before we talk about the featured bout between Brandon Royval and Hogerio Bontorin. Take my boy Rob Brown's advice and uh, give us a like on this video. Shout out to my boy Rob. Hope you're doing well, brother. Um, right. Yeah, cool-ass dude. And we truly appreciate everybody's support, man. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. You know, let, let people know we're out here talking fights again. So next up, in the flyweight division, we got the aforementioned featured bout between Brandon Roy Val, who was 12 and 6, taking on Hogerio Bontorin, who was 17 and 3. And currently, they got Brandon Royval minus 170, the comeback on Hogerio Bontorin is plus 145. So initially, when this fight was announced, I was going into watching the tape, kind of thinking that Bontorin might be a live dog. And maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But here are my issues with uh, Bontorin. Uh, well, firstly, here's what I do like. I mean, the dude's explosive. The dude's a black belt in jujitsu. He hits fucking hard. He's experienced. He's fought some really good guys, and he's got wins over some really good guys. I mean, he beat um, what's the name of the Russian? He beat in, in, in his debut. Bibulatov. He beat Magomed Bibulatov. Uh, he beat Holly and Paiva, controversial or not. So I mean, he beat Matt Schnell. So I mean, the dude's got some solid ass wins. My issue with Hogeri Bontorin in this specific matchup is the kind of pace that uh, Brandon Royval pushes. I, I just simply don't think that Bontorin can uh, catch up with that. And I have heard people talk about how, well, Bontorin can mix in takedowns and neutralize him. And when I watch these Brandon Royval scrambles, yeah, maybe back in the day when he was kind of green and he fought Casey Kenny, he couldn't get up from bottom then. But from what I'm seeing now, and yeah, just albeit he did get choked out by Pantoja, who's you know a guy who's got two wins over the champ, but still like the getups I saw, the scrambling ability I saw, like th those are the kind of glimpses that I think you know are gonna make a guy like Hogera Bontarin start to you know make his gas tank start to fatigue because Hogerio Bontarin he needs to pace himself, man. Uh, he cuts massive amounts of weight. He's a big boy for that weight class, and as a result, he is going to fatigue in fights. Like if you watch that match, no fight, like the first four minutes, like Hojera Bonsarin, like hardly threw anything, man, and like that's not going to go well against a guy like Broival, who's literally in your face the entire time, throwing everything at you. My only issue with with Royval is that as a result of him being a wild man, there's going to be openings there, you know. Uh, 
he does have that tall man defense, doesn't really move his head uh, off that center line. So, yeah, he's going to get caught with some big shots from time to time. But as of right now, he's a young kid. His chin is on point. So I'm not worried about him going down yet. Maybe if he tries to fight like that against Manel Cap, then, you know, we got to worry about hit, him hitting the deck. I don't think there's going to be that spot. So the angle for Hogera Bontarin coming out here and neutralizing Roy Vall, I think, yeah, maybe he can get a takedown or two. But to actually hold down Roy Vall, that's that's just where I'm struggling to to really see Bontarin doing that. And with Bontarin's gassing issues, with his pace kind of being a little bit slower, um, I actually don't think this is a dog or pass situation, but I'm not saying it's favorite or pass either. It's just kind of like lined accurate, accurately to me. Like That's like I consider Roy Vaughn minus 170. So to me, there's not really value too much value on either side. I would just sit back and enjoy this one, but my pick is Brandon Royval to outwork uh, Rogerio Bontorin. Yeah, um, man, I'm looking forward to this fight probably probably more than anyone on the card, man. I've been a big Raw Dog fan since he was an LFA, and, and Bontorin been a fan of him as well. He had a very good Contender Series fight on Contender Series uh, Brazil Season 1, and, um, I mean, he... You know, the, he had the slip-ups against Ray Borg. I think the weight is, is going to be the big issue with him. Um, he misses weight. He's been missing weight. Um, he missed weight for even 135s against uh, Matt Schnell. <laughs> so, um, you know, Bontarine is a big boy. And and he, um, he kind of, man, he's... The, the big issue I'm having with this fight is, man, I, I love Raw Dog, but I almost feel like sometimes the whole persona of being this wild man, it kind of it might get him in trouble. You know, I know he only lost to the, the, the champion, Brandon Moreno, um, kind of by an injury, you know, um, and then the, the fight against Pantoja 100%. But there's a common theme in, in Raw Dog's fight. He's in bad positions. I mean, the fight starts and Brandon Raw Dog has his back taken. Now, and that's and that's just the truth about it. And when you look at Bronterine's last few fights, I mean, he had Kai Carr at France and in, in one of his fights in a in a deep body triangle. And you know, you, Raw Dog's gonna have to really just get to the second and third round, man. If he can make it to the second and third round, I I'm very confident he will overwhelm uh, Rogerio Bronterine and with the pace and the knees and the spins and the all type of crazy type of strikes he's going to throw. I don't think there's any way Bontarine's going to be able to handle that pace, but he, in the early goings, man, he, like if Bontarine is fresh, I mean, this is going to be a serious jujitsu uh, attack that raw dog's going to have to go through. I mean, his neck is going to be getting, you know, <laughs> squeezed very hard. I mean, that body triangle he had on Kai Car France was very tight. I mean, Kai Car France props to him. He, he, uh, you know, weathered the storm and was able to land that big bomb as he's known for. So I think uh, I don't, I would not play the minus 160, 170 range with him just because like, I mean, he, he got submitted, um, you know, the last two times in the, in the Pantoja fight. I know Pantoja is a serious black belt, but you know, Bontarine's got some black belt skills as well, man. But the, the other thing is what happens when Bontarine comes in at one at one thirty, and, <laughs> and, and then on fight night, he's one fifty, and then he gets on top of raw dog and we're like, Oh boy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Cause he, let's just be honest here. I'd be shocked if Bontarine actually made weight. Like if he does, if he makes weight, like fine, then uh, I'd honestly be worried about the fight because that might mean he might be actually be in shape for real. So like, uh, you know, but Bontarina at one point I was high on him, but these when I when you hear about his, we'll see what happens at Wayans, man. So, um, 
I'm gonna take Raw Dog too, man. I've just been a bigger fan of that kid for a while. But uh, and I and I I really do think like this kid, if he can just calm some of that stuff down, you know, some of that wildness and putting himself in some of these positions, work on the wrestling, like this kid's pace and striking at distance and the the type of chances he's willing to take is going to lead him to a lot of success, a lot of money, a lot of fight of the nights, a lot of performances of, of the night. Um, it's just like he has a major hole with the wrestling and the and putting and giving up his back. And and it's a big worry in this fight. Like Bontarine's going to be on that back. So we'll see what happens. But I'm, I'm going to go with Rod Dog to, to finish him in the third round. But it's going to be like a, a fight of the night type of fight. I'm excited, man. Yeah. Co-main event of the evening in the heavyweight division. We got Chase Sherman. He's 15 and 8, taking on Jay Collier, who is 12 and 6. And currently they got Jay Collier. Just depends where you look. Minus 128. The comeback on Chase Sherman is plus 108. Uh, everybody do us a favor. Smash that like button. So Shaq, uh, listen, this is not your conventional UFC co-main event, but I have a feeling it's going to be a fun fight, man. I mean, uh, Chase Sherman with those nasty leg kicks. Jay Collier, he's actually got a little bit more volume for a heavyweight than most, um, considering the fact that he used to be a middleweight. Um, somehow put on 100 pounds, but he's still able to go out there and put up numbers. Uh, these two are going to stand and bang until one man falls or or until it goes all three rounds and they put on a very exciting fight. I think that's why they put it in the co-main event. Well, I mean, granted, it was supposed to be Michelle Pereira versus Muslim Salikov, but the reason this is the backup, you know, instead of, you know, Caitlin versus, you know, Maya is for the reason that this is going to be an exciting fight. So, Shaq, uh, how do you kind of see this one going down, man? Because, look, like I said, Collier has had the better volume, but Chase Sherman, man, um, he can chop people down with leg kicks, has kind of gassed towards the end of fights. This has been something that's been going on for a, for a long time. But, man, he's also in a guy where you hit him with a baseball bat and he's still walking forward for the most part. I mean, unless it's that Walt Harris baseball bat. But aside from that, this dude will take your best shot and keep uh, going forward. So, yeah, I uh, I got a lot of respect for both of them. But um, they're more of entertaining fighters to watch rather than, like, future contenders or anything. But still, it should be a fun fight. How you see it going now? Yeah, I mean, Chase Sherman's got more, I guess, weapons. He's got the jab. He's got the low kicks, but he doesn't move his head. He gets hit a ton. And when fights get rough, as we've seen lately, like against my, my guy, big old Parker Porter, he, uh, you know, was talking about titties and all this stuff. And, and Parker Porter had to show him what's up. But Parker is somewhat underrated. He's a very big boy. Um, but Chase, you know, he... You know what Chase is, man. He's just a fun fighter. Um, this is gonna be a slobber knocker with Jake. I, I feel like Jake's a kind of fits that mold, man. I think he's a little tougher. I mean, you see his last fight, he gave Carlos, my boy Carlos, a, a permanent scar under that eye. I mean, he had to get a tattoo over it, actually. So um, I mean, Jake can inflict damage. Um, he's tough. It's just his cardio down the stretch might be his weakness. I mean, you know, he I don't know if Jake is takes his diet uh takes his diet that seriously but you know he um i think he's the tougher guy it's just down the stretch if he's fatigued the low kicks and the numbers you know chase when chase lands it's going to be in you know threes and fours and, and things like that so what eh, as where uh jake's going to be throwing uh you know big one you know a couple of big shots but Man, it's a tough fight, but I'm going to go with Jake Collier, man. I think he's going to get the job done. You know, he looked good in his fight against Volante. I know it's Volante. Volante uh, had a good run, but, you know, Chase, Chase, his job's, his job's got to be on the line, right? I mean, this is this is it uh, for probably both of them. Um, 
it's gonna be it's gonna come down to who's hungry and and when I've seen fights down the stretch, I've seen Chase Sherman shy away. So I'm gonna go with Jay Carter. Yeah, um, I mean, look, it, realistically, it could go either way, but I agree with you on this one, man. I am also going to go with Jay Collier. I think that he's got the higher work rate, d- despite what the numbers say, like because uh, the numbers say that um, that Chase Sherman actually throws more than uh, Collier, but I, I'm not really convinced that that's true. Uh, but fuck all all that stuff. I mean, to, in this fight, it, what really matters is who's going to be landing the effective strikes and who's going to be picking apart who. And I think that Jay Collier's technique is slightly better. You got to watch out for those big, brutal leg kicks of Chase Sherman. You also got to not gas out punching Sh- uh, Chase Sherman in the face because the dude is like a walking zombie at times. Um, but this cardio drop-off in those later rounds for Sherman is not just a new thing. It's something... Uh, before he had his uh, USADA bust and after he's had his USADA bust. So this has always been an issue with him, and that's where I think Collier can capitalize, despite the fact that Collier did somewhat slow down um, in that that Felipe fight. But but Felipe is a volume boxer, you know. uh... I guess this might be a hot take, but because I know a lot of people bet Collier in that fight, so therefore because they bet him they think he won whereas like i didn't have a bet on that fight and i straight up scored it for felipe two to one but felipe won, felipe won the second and third round all right main event of the evening in the featherweight division with high implications we got calvin the boston finisher cater he's 22 and 5 taking out giga the ninja chikadze who was 14 and 2 and currently they got giga chikadze minus 230 the comeback on calvin cater is plus 200 so listen i know you remember when calvin cater made his ufc debut against andre feely and we went on here on the show i said do not parlay andre feely and now now it might be like oh yeah genius no shit but at the time andre feely was like minus three something and uh andre feely was on the Andre Feely was everybody's parlay leg. So I've known about Cater since day one, man. Um, actually had him on half the battle before he was even in the UFC. Um, and I said that one day he will be a top five guy. And now he's number five on planet Earth. And he he did what I thought he was going to do. You know, some guys I think are going to be future world champions. Some guys I think will never crack the rankings. Cater, I said, will be a future top five guy. He's currently number five. And, and I think that this is, you know, all with all due respect where it ends in terms of how, how high he's going to climb up the, the ranks you know because firstly i mean when you talk about cater's tools i mean the jab and that nasty that money right hand that step through right hand that's floored so many of his opponents man i mean the dude's got knockout wins over shane burgos knockout wins over ricardo Lamas, uh beat dan Ige, just knocked jeremy stevens into the 10th into the fifth dimension i mean like i got caters got all my respect man and then to take it a step further you watch that last fight with holloway where holloway broke the ufc record for significant strikes landed and thrown in a single fight and while defensively speaking it's extremely worrisome for calvin but just as a man and as a dude with balls and as a dude with heart I mean, I got nothing but respect for Calvin Cater. I mean, the dude wasn't willing to take a knee for nobody. I mean, if he wouldn't have answered the bell between rounds, none of us would have held it against him, man. But that's the kind of warrior he is. He's truly willing to die in there. So Calvin's got nothing but the utmost respect for me, and I think he's a true badass, and he's one of my favorite fighters. And and I think that 
despite what happened Saturday night, he's going to come back and still and, and still win some more fights. So, Calvin, you got all my respect. It's just stylistically speaking, I I just don't see how a one-dimensional boxer with a negative strike ratio can beat Giga Chikadze in a fight. Look, anything can happen. It's MMA. I mean, Calvin's got that money right hand that's won him so many UFC fights and had him knock out a ton of great uh, contenders in the division. And he's gotten to number five in the world for a reason. It's just that stylistically speaking, I mean, I saw Moicano go out there and put a kickboxing clinic on this guy. Um, even in some of his wins, I saw Chris Chris Fishgold tag him up in that early going. I saw Jeremy Stevens tag him up in that early going. And while you might be able to get away with those things against guys like Chris Fishgold and, and Jeremy Stevens, who's at the end of his career, I just simply think when Giga starts putting it on you, that it, it's a it's just a different level. And Calvin keeps his hands up nice and high. That means that long torso is going to be open right there for that Giga kick to the body. I saw Calvin wobbling all over the place to, to head kicks uh, from Max Holloway, but we know Max Holloway is not really known for that one hitter quitter. He's more so known for a for for breaking the record for strikes landed. He's an amazing volume striker, and he'll break you down death by a, a thousand cuts. But Giga, it's only going to take one big kick. It's only going to take one big punch to actually be the first man in MMA history to give Cater a stoppage uh, loss to strikes. So, yeah, the concerns are what happens if this fight hits the later rounds because in the past, Giga has gassed. And also, what about Giga's ground game? But let me address both those things. Uh, Giga said that he massively stepped up his strength and conditioning program after, you know, a couple of those early fights where he may have gassed in the later rounds. And he took it seriously. Like he heard, He listened to what everyone had to say about that. And he addressed it. I mean, those are the kind of things I like to see. And people hold it against him that when he was five and one, he lost to a bum on contender on uh, contender series. Guys, he's 14 and two now. But to take it a step further, like, so what if he lost to a bum when he was five and one? Kamaru Usman got submitted by a bum a long ass time ago. Like, these are part of the growing pains that get you to the position you're gonna be in if if you're truly destined to be something great. And I think that Giga is destined to be something great because when he fought the two toughest opponents of his career and Swanson and Edson, I mean you saw how he handled them. And then to address the whole ground game thing, I mean after the Austin Springer fight, I mean the guy now he's competing in grappling tournaments. He's actually a brown belt in jujitsu. So that this is people think it's a situation where it's like like Randy Couture, James Tony. Oh, just take him down one time. The fight's going to be over shortly after. And not only am I not convinced that Calvin's not going to get takedowns, I think that if he does, there might be something waiting for him. I know I know, my boy Shaq remembers that Anaconda attempt that he had on, uh, on Edson Barboza. That shows me a guy that's evolving, that's taking all parts of the game seriously because he entered the sport as just a kickboxer. Now I think that he's an MMA fighter, and I think that he's ready to get his title shot. So Saturday night, all due respect to Cater, but I think Giga is going to come out here and light him up. I think the ways that Giga loses this fight is from whooping on Calvin so bad that he gasses and Calvin comes back and lands that money right hand that's put down so many people uh, in, in the past or, you know, or, or if Giga underestimates, which doesn't seem to be the case based off the way he's talking. He's shown Calvin a lot of respect. So I think this is going to be methodical. I think it's going to be pinpoint. I think it's going to be precise. And Saturday night, 
I think Giga Chikadze is going to be the first man in MMA history to finish Calvin Cater via strikes. And I think he's going to open a lot of eyes. So, yeah, give me Giga Chikadze. I put five units on him at minus 215. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a it's a great fight. You know, I I, I honestly just think it's a it's a you got a boxer versus a kickboxer. And I don't think it's this. Um, It's just more so of trending, man. Like Calvin Qatar, you, when you look at his last few performances, it's been all high level fights. You know, he fought to beat in Russia. He fought Jeremy Stevens, a legend um, in Abu Dhabi, who was ranked high at the time he fought. Um, no, I was in Oh, I was in uh, Florida, actually, my bad, Jacksonville, um, I believe. But, like, you know, he fought Dan Ige and and, um, main event, and then he fought uh, Max Holloway main event. And, you know, I feel like uh, that was kind of um, our appraisal to see if Calvin Couture is really, really, um, you know, a a title challenger. And I just came off as, nah, man, I think that he's a very good boxer, but I don't think he really presents any – you know, much weapons elsewhere. I know a lot of people are saying he's going to come for the takedowns. Okay, we'll see. I mean, that's not something he really does in his fights. You want to use that style when that doesn't work out, then, you know, you're already kind of falling back. You know, I just think that, look, the only way he can win this fight is by knockout, in my opinion. You know, I think that Giga's going to, this whole cardio thing, I'm not convinced, man. I think that he's, you know, gotten better with that. I think that, um, the fights honestly just haven't even been getting to that point. He's so confident in his distance and his range and his striking. I mean, he, he was the, he was the underdog to Edson Barbosa. We can say, Oh, Edson's slow and old and all this stuff. Edson's slow. I haven't heard that one. (laughs) But He he made him. He, I mean, he outclassed them from, from bell to bell. Edson might've stole the second round towards the end, but I mean, Giga Chikadze, you know, he found that second win and he was able to come back and implement his game and 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 finish him, you know, not just, uh, you know, win a close decision. Like I've seen other guys have tests against Ensign, whether that be Dan Hooker, Shane Burgos, um, you know, a lot of guys, man. And the fights didn't go that well, man. So I think that Giga Chikadze has proven that he's made these improvements in his game. And Calvin, he's going to probably try to slow cook him and try to, you know, stay, just stay close and get to the late rounds and see if he can land a, a big bomb. But when you look at his fights against Dan Ige, even in the pocket exchanges, you know, Dan Ige doesn't really present that much threats. He's a more of a hustler, uh, a jujitsu guy and you know calvin got bloodied up and was getting touched in times man um jeremy fights and jeremy stevens fight he was getting touched as well i think he's more of the traditional boxer that's willing to bang in the pocket with guys and i just feel like giga chikadze is the type of guy that he's seen that style so many times so i think um i think this is a tailor-made matchup for him i think things are trending you know, a lot in his favorite Calvin Katari has been real quiet. You know, we don't know how much that Max Holloway fight affected him. And I'm not saying that he's, you know, a broken man or doing, you know, like any of that thing, but I'm just saying like, that was a lot, man. That was, I mean, he got, he could have fight, could have got stopped multiple times. I mean, he took how many strikes, uh, you know, and now he's coming back to the, the, you know, the, the, uh, another tough striker, man, uh, a guy, footwork tough to deal with so uh, i think uh qatar honestly the big question here is can giga go five rounds without getting knocked out or falling apart down the stretch you know calvin qatar is a very durable guy he even holloway landed all those strikes he still stayed in there so props to him it's really just 
can Giga go five rounds? I think the way Giga's trending and performing and the way he's locked in right now, I think he can. I honestly am not convinced. I know Calvin's got good hands, but I'm not convinced that Giga is far behind. Like the way he sets up his hands is a lot, is very hard to deal with mixed in with the kicks. Like, you know, Calvin's got good hands, but he's been, he's been getting touched in some of these fights, man. What happened when he fought Hanato Moicano? Like he, Hanato was jabbing his head off and, and boxing with him in the pocket, um, mixing the low kicks in as well. So, you know, I, I'm going to go with Giga Chikadze here. I just think he's the better striker. I don't see Calvin going for the takedowns. Um, and, and I think Giga can grapple too, man. I think, um, you know, he swept Jamal Emers for all the people that said he gassed out. He also swept him. He um, had the Anaconda attempt on Edson Barbosa. I feel like this guy's showing, showing everything in, in each category, man. So I'm going with Giga. Yeah, I mean, I already said this earlier, but listen, if a one-dimensional boxer with a negative strike ratio beats Giga in a, in a fight, then hey, props. I mean, I already think Calvin's a badass. He, he has all my respect in the world. Um, But yeah, I, I got to go with Giga here. And I like the fact that Giga breaks you down with the kicks, and then once you start kind of stationary planting yourself against the fence, that's when he really sits down on his punches. And I mean, you, you see people wobbling all over the place, so... And I think the cardio thing might be a bit of a stretch. I mean, you didn't look like there was a cardio issue. That saying that Marvin Vittori had a cardio issue. I was like, how? <laughs> I didn't see a cardio issue in that third round when he was knocking Edson Barboza all over the place. I didn't see a cardio issue in that third round when he dropped Omar Morales. Yeah, there might have been a cardio issue in his like first two UFC fights when he was getting his feet wet. But now I think that he's paid his dues, and now I feel like he thinks that the octagon is his home. So I think it's his time to shine, and that's with all due respect to Cater, who, I mean, is a guy. I mean, I got nothing but good things to say about Cater. It's just I think it's Giga's time, and stylistically speaking, which is what really matters here, I think it's a tough matchup for Cater. So let's see what happens. Uh, Giga is the pick and the bet for me. All right, Shaq. Well, before we get out of here, firstly, thank you everybody for being here with us. Like, we truly appreciate it. Y'all do us a favor, smash that like button and the subscribe button. And uh, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So, what is the fight to watch for UFC Vegas 46? My uh, fight to watch is Roy Volvers, Bontarine, the flyweights. The flyweights always bring it, Raw Dog always brings it, Bontarine. Very powerful black belt. I'm, uh, this is a big test for for Roy Vaught. We can't, you know, we can't lose three in a row. I mean, this is a this is a big fight. So uh, I'm expecting him to come the best he ever has. And Bontarine, I mean, he needs to make up for all these weight misses. I know he wants to get back into uh, contention. So I'm, that's the fight I'm looking for. Yeah, for me, um, I got to go with Joe Anderson, Brito versus Bill Algy. I think Brito is a super bright prospect. Um, I, I'm excited to see. What he's able to do in the featherweight division with his physicality, with his explosiveness, uh, with his relentlessness. And then Bill Algio is a guy who never stops, who keeps going forward, who's underrated, who's experienced, who's a cardio machine, who doesn't take no for an answer. So for that reason, Brito versus Algio is my fight to watch. I just expect it to be fireworks. Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for the first event of 2022? Um, a fighter to watch is going to be... Um... Ramiz Brahimaj, man, he's got a he's got a good fight here against Court McGee. You know, he's one of these younger guys up in the welterweight division. And Court McGee's that win. If you beat Court McGee, man, that means there's gonna be uh, you know, green pastures ahead, man. Green Court McGee's one of the guys that's been around for a very long time, very tough, doesn't get finished often. And um, to beat him in your third UFC fight, that would be a big statement, man. So Ramiz, 
Let's see what he does on Saturday. He's my fighter to watch. Yeah, for me, my fighter to watch is actually in the main event. Um, Giga Chikadze, man. I I think that um, despite the win streak, despite the spots, I think people don't actually take him as seriously as they should because when he was five and one, he lost to a bum on contender series. He's fucking 14 and two now. Kamaru Usman lost to a bum. When Ramsey Nijem got, excuse me, Benil Dariush got knocked out by Ramsey Nijem in his second fight. Like, dude, like, these are growing pains. Shit happens. They're getting into fist fights. But I think that the form of Giga Chikazi now is someone that if he comes out here and not just beats Calvin, but beats him impressively, I mean, you're looking at the guy who's going to fight the winner of a uh, zombie and Volkanovsky. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm very excited to see what Giga does. And, and, and for that reason, he's my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05 on Twitter. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. We truly appreciate everybody that joined us and everybody in the chat. Y'all are super passionate about the fights, and that's what we love, man. I mean, we don't have to agree or disagree on, on things, but as long as everybody's respectful and they just share that genuine passion and love for the sport, then that's what it's all about. So thank you guys again. Again, smash that like button. Hit the subscribe, retweet our tweets. Feel free to share this. Like, let people know we're out here doing this again. So, we truly appreciate it. Uh, thank you guys very much. Check out our sponsor, Prize Picks. Uh, download their app or go to prizepicks.com and use that code BATTLE for the 100% deposit match up to $100. We'll be back next week for the very epic Francis and Ganu versus Cyril Gan heavyweight uh, title unification bout i mean and that whole card is fucking stacked so can't wait to do that uh, and be back to, to talk about those fights thank you guys again thank you Shaq. and until the next time let's cash these bets <laughs>